research methods. Hello and welcome to the Research Methods Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eugene Bogristov. Welcome to our new mini-series on research methods. Today we are going to talk about biases in research. And bias is defined as a tendency which prevents unprejudiced consideration of a question. It means if you are a researcher and you develop your survey, you develop your questions, you send them to participants, and one of them, he or she, may answer them in a highly skewed way, in a highly biased way. I mean, any of us can answer a question because of his or her understanding differently. But we talk about systematic biases. This is something which is really important for the research. Did I formulate my questions in a way that somebody is inclined or forced to give a specific type of answer? We can split these biases in several groups of biases, and today we are going to talk about one specific group, the respondent's bias. So we talk today about a systematic error on the side of a respondent. And the first bias which comes to my mind is the social desirability bias. It means the participant would like to give an answer which he or she assumes is important to the researcher or he or she assumes would put him or her into a better light and make him look better. And in this case, the participant would like to be accepted or would like to be liked. There are several questions which can, for example, show that the person uh, has a high social desirability bias. So there are ways how you can discover it. For example, if you ask a question, have you ever been late to work? Probably everybody on the world has been late to work at least once. And if you see that somebody says never, then probably this is a kind of indication that this person tries to give a socially desirable answer. And there are other ways how you can discover that a social desirability bias is built in into a study. First, you can formulate the questions in a way that the person would like to give a specific answer. As I showed you in my previous example, the question on have you ever been late to work is a good example when those people who would like to or who tend to give a social desirable answer, they would probably say never. With such questions, you can either discover whether somebody tends to give social desirable answers. The example would be the question, have you ever been late to work? And if you use a dozen of such questions, you can find the level of social desirability in the answers. On the other hand, you usually don't think or you don't mind to test it, but it can happen that you formulate your questions in a questionnaire that without intention you enforce people to give social desirable answer, you provoke or trigger those answers. Think about a statement, I have a high societal status and with a Likert scale with answers ranging from completely disagree to completely agree. Can you imagine people who would say, no, I completely disagree, I don't have a high societal status. So probably asking the question like this will also force people to give a social desirable answer and think about it. We like ourselves, we like our status, we like our lives, we live our lives in a way we wanted them to be lived. That is probably the question would cause a highly desirable answer. 
Let's take another example. I'm a patriot of my country with answering options from completely disagree to completely agree. I don't think that many people will give an answer that they are not patriots of their country, at least because this answer is socially desirable. And the participants assume that the researcher will evaluate the questions afterwards and probably this is important to answer in a positive way. Even the simplest statement, I am a nice person, with the answers ranging from completely disagree to completely agree, probably not many people will say that they are not a nice people. And these are the examples of how social desirability bias can be built in into your study. So you can develop the questions in a way that they assume a social desirable answer or they trigger or they assume that people who read through this, those questions would like to be liked and would give some specific answers. And social desirability is, of course, very important. In my research, we had issues with the social desirability bias when we talked with the physicians about the performance. And the first time we made our study in Ukraine, we had highly biased answers because the participants did not trust completely our research and they thought that the results, they will not be anonymous. And that is why many of them, when we ask about the performance of their hospital, they all crossed everything on the right. And then only by the second data collection, after a certain period of time, after they knew that we will not give this answers to anybody else, that everything remained anonymously, then we suddenly noticed that physicians stopped giving the social desirable answers and started answering the questions as they are. And by each next measurement, we noticed that the data was nicely varying, but it was not like everything on the right, just because people thought that they have to give the answer like this. In another study, we noticed that it is really important to write some sentences in the text for the participants that please try to give answers to these questions on your own and don't have anybody looking over your shoulder because sometimes you ask people about the communication in the team and if they think that somebody from the team can have a look at the results then probably they will not give you the objective answer, they will give you a social desirable answer. That is also one of my recommendations to you. And for this episode, I think we're good in time. Now we know a little bit more about the social desirability bias. I wish you all the best. I wish you a nice developed survey where you can avoid this type of bias. Good luck with your research. Bye-bye.